What is up, world, and welcome back to the Backseat Coaches Podcast here on June 6th, 2021. I'm with my guys here, and we are super excited to talk about the playoff situation as we uh, enter the second round today. So, guys, let's go ahead and get started uh, with the first round and our, and our general thoughts. Um, Adrian, would you like to lead us off? How about that Utah and Memphis series? Uh, yeah, first off, uh, rest in peace. Um, there is officially no member of the backseat coaches with the team in the playoffs. Um, but I- I've got to say, I'm not su- surprised by the outcome of the series, but I saw great things from both of those squads. Um, you know, Memphis is the third youngest team in the league. I think a lot of people didn't expect them to even necessarily contend for a playoff spot, um, let alone get one. And so watching them have this season, that was definitely a step forward for them after uh, losing a play-in in the bubble last year uh, to winning one and then stealing a game from the number one seed in the West and the team with the best record in the league. Um, encouraging signs from those guys. And as for the Jazz, when they got Donovan and Mitchell back, they look like the best team in the league. And that's not an exaggeration. They, their offense was just clicking you know, Rudy Gobert is still the stifle tower on the defensive side. It's they are going to be a threat whenever they like to whoever they face in whatever round. And with the Lakers out of contention, I think that they might have a serious shot at going to the finals. So I'm going to head over to our player specialist, Mr. Ethan Smith here. Ethan, we saw a tremendous performance in the series from point guard John ja Morant. I'm just curious, what are your expectations for Ja in this upcoming year going forward? I think the next step for Ja Morant is to try to make an all-star team. Um, You know, it's one of those bucket list goals that every player has. Um, But, I mean, he's proven he can lead a team already. He led them in a big-time win over your guy Steph Curry to get into the playoffs. So, I think he's proven he can at least get a team to the playoffs. Now, I think it's on the Grizzlies' side now to surround him with people so he doesn't basically have to do everything alone. So the Grizzlies were the youngest team in this playoffs by a long shot. Um, Jack, what do you think about this bright future that the Grizzlies had kind of with a foundation built here? And then where do you think they have to go from here? Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously they're looking great. Their future's looking great. They got players like John Morant, Jaron Jackson, guys that if they can stay healthy, which with Jaron Jackson at least has been a problem so far. But if they can stay healthy, I mean, they really have a roster that looks like they can compete in the future. Um, they need to keep developing their players, you know, making sure they stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing is just making sure everybody can stay healthy consistently. And I think if they do that, then they really have a path to contention in the near future. I, I think the future is looking really good for them. Yeah, one of the guys that I really like on the Grizzlies is Dylan Brooks, the young shooting guard out of Oregon, uh, played against my Tar Heels in the 2017 Final Four. Nick, um, do you have any more thoughts on, on Memphis versus Utah? Um, no, not really. Um, Utah took care of business after getting uh, Donovan Mitchell back, but it does look like Memphis does have a bright future, so more or less than what everybody else thinks. Yeah, in about an hour or two, we'll uh, kick off Game 7 between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks series tied 3-3 and what has been a really back-and-forth series um, with two very different playstyle teams, guys. Um, first, I want to talk about Luka Doncic, guys. Luka has been unbelievable for most of this series, guys, and he really hasn't had much help um, other than, you know, some spark performances from Tim Hardaway Jr. 
Um, I've seen a lot of comments from Jared Dorsey about um, the future of what we need um, from the Dallas Mavericks going forward. So, uh, Nick, I'll come back to you and we'll go back around. Um, guys, what do you think about Luca's performance in this series and, and what do they have to do? What are the keys for game seven um, for the Mavericks? Um, yeah, Luca's been amazing throughout the whole series. He's basically put the Mavericks on their back at this point to get it to a game seven in the first place. Um, but um, I did Adrian just drop out? Yeah, I, I guess I guess okay. he's too. I, I guess he got to go spit a verse now or something. All right, I'll I'll, I'll continue. Um, so, but yeah, he does need a bit more help. I think um, he can't. He is able to basically get whatever he wants. Um, based on just running a pick and roll and getting the matchup he wants and just either going right to the basket or even just getting a step back. But I'm looking for more out of Kristaps uh, Porzingis. He's just – every time I watch him play, I mean, he's – you 99% of the time he's the tallest guy on the floor. And most of the time when I see him score, shooting jump shots. Mm-hmm. All right? I've got to see him at least try to post up and get, get some points close to the basket and get, make an impact on the game. Um, because with all respect to, do, to Tim Hardaway, he should be hands down the second best player on the floor every time he's out there. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd be looking for um, for the Mavs. Jack, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the Chris Stapps and as well as pretty much everybody. I think everybody other than Luca, for the most part, needs to step up. Luca cannot be the only guy generating offense in this game seven if they want to win. And I also think they need to, or Luca specifically, needs to do a better job on free throw shooting. I really don't understand what his issue is with free throws, but that does seem to be an issue. And I think that needs to step up and bench scoring and really just other scoring in general, other than Luka really needs to step up in order for them to win this game seven. And they also need to make sure that Kawhi does not go off, which is obviously easier said than done, but they cannot have Kawhi Leonard drop 45 points in a game seven and expect to win. Yeah, I totally agree. I really like that point about Kristaps Porzingis. Um, in game one and two, he scored 10-plus points, and they were succeeding. He had 39 in game two that led them over the top. Um, guys, I'm just curious, what do you think, like, Kristaps' problem is right now? I mean, uh, Nick, you obviously mentioned, I mean, he's he's the seven-foot demigod, right? He's the um, he's an amazing player, and obviously he's had his struggles throughout. But what do you think, Ethan, Kristaps uh, has to do going forward to kind of contribute more to this team? I think he just has to – to say it bluntly, get his ass in the paint and post on somebody. Like, I think he had Reggie Jackson on him, and he immediately went to the three-point line. He's the literal stereotype of when you go to the park and there's the tall dude who only shoots three. That's literally Porzingis. <laughs> but I think to help Porzingis, I think you need to, like, tell him, like, hey, you know, before the game, like, we going to need you. So, like, don't worry about missing. Don't worry about messing up. Like, worry about contributing. But I don't know if Porzingis exactly likes playing with Luca, and I wonder if, like, in their system, they have it designed where he's more like a spot up shooter instead of like being the the seven foot three demigod. So I I don't know what the problem is with Porzingis, but between him and we'll get to this later, some guys on Lakers, the Guangdong Dragons and Shanghai Sharks are gonna have a hell of a bidding war this <laughs> offseason. Yeah, China is going to have some serious uh, additions to their roster this mm-hmm. offseason. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the Laker, uh, the Clippers, excuse me, as well. Um, guys, since the addition of Richie Jackson in the series, it has been very different um, in the starting lineup for the Clippers uh, production-wise. 
Um, he's been a tremendous three-point shooter. He's kind of given them a little bit of space um, for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to work a little bit. Um, what do you guys think about the addition of Richie Jackson to the starting lineup? How has he helped uh, turn the ta tables in the series? Ethan, I'll start with you. I think um, he's just another guy that can create his own shot. And anytime you have somebody like that, it can be an addition. But I think the biggest thing is that he's not taking shots away from like Kawhi, Paul George, and some of the other guys. Because when you have a guy that can create their own shot, that's not like one of your star players. Oftentimes, it takes away opportunities from your key guys who you want taking those shots, that you pay them a max contract to take those shots. So I think he's done a good job just, you know, picking his spots, when to be aggressive and when to be passive. Nick, do you have any thoughts? Um, not, not really anything more besides what Ethan said. I mean, he's definitely – um, help turn the series around, um, but there's not really much more I have to say. Jack? Yeah, I mean, he can really help be a floor general. I mean, he knows his well. I mean, he knows his role, and he plays it very well. He really helps the team um, do their jobs, and he does his job well, and he really just kind of brings everybody together and can kind of be the glue guy at times. So I really, I think it's a big part for the Clippers team. Yeah, Ethan, I know we had a little bit of a conversation about it in the group chat and just with Adrian as well. Um, just talking about the, the play style of the Clippers and how it's really, you know, Kawhi will take a turn and then PG will take a turn. And it's hard for other guys to get into the flow of the game. Um, but it's kind of the same thing for Dallas as well. I'm just kind of um, curious what you guys think when they face the Jazz next round, if let's say whoever wins. Um, where, do you, where do you see this series going? Because I, I see ja the Jazz as a lot more complete team. They play together. They spread the ball. Uh, they do a lot of different things. Um, Adrian, what do you think about, like, uh, going forward in the next series, possibly if the Mavericks or Clippers win the series, how would they face off against the Jazz? Um, you know, and it's funny because while I think the Mavericks are going to win the series, and I I do think that I I like their chances better just to just make a run because of Luca. I've got to say I think that the Clippers match up better against the Jazz because. The Clippers have more defenders, and the Jazz are going to drown you with threes. And the, the Mavericks aren't going to stop your three-point shooting. They're just going to like hope that Luka can put up 30, 40, 50-point triple-doubles and save the day. And I think that's a that hero ball mentality is great for getting out of the first round because you've got a guy who the other team just looks helpless trying to stop and we've seen that so far most of this series but it's going to be questionable when you run up against a truly elite team like the Jazz where team is such an important part of the way they ball yeah very true and I think the Jazz are waiting on the winner of this series and and definitely getting their scouting reports ready so I think the Jazz will be uh, much much prepared for the winner of that series Guys, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the 3-6 and 2-7 matchups. Um, Denver defeated Portland 4-2, as well as Phoenix defeating the Lakers. Um, I think Jokic secured his MVP case um, after defeating uh, Portland in that series. Guys, I was wrong about uh, Steph Curry being my MVP this year uh, after his – Okay. Um, it's okay, buddy. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just tragic here. Um, but, guys, what do you really think about – Jokic's play and really the future of Portland because I think if you are a Portland fan right now like you got to be worried because there is a um, reconstruction in the making here um, Ethan I'll start with you I know you're itching there to say something uh, about this series 
I mean, Jokic is best big man in the league. Are, are we all in agreement on that? Or we yeah. have somebody that's all right. So I think he, without a doubt, proved it. He carried them. Although they did have some guys step up like Austin Rivers and MPJ got hot in a couple of stretches. But the future of Portland is, uh, well, I think we, I think they need to blow it up. They've had Damon CJ what feels like forever. They just fired Terry Stotts, who they probably should have fired a couple of years ago. But that conference finals run, mm-hmm. honestly, got him a couple more years. Um, but I think they, they probably, sh- in my opinion, trade Damian Lillard and start over. But if they're really intent on keeping Dame, then maybe try to flip CJ into something because it's clear that the Dame and CJ combo is not working. Um, that's just my opinion, though. I, I, I think they've needed to rebuild for a couple of years because I just don't know if Dame could be the best player on a championship team. Adrian, I saw you itching. I know you want to chime in. What? Ah, Dame is on the border of top five player in the league, in my in my personal opinion. Oh. Offensively, he is offensively he is one of the dis, despite being you know six three and you know not sitting here like LeBron sized or with KD's just ridiculous physical statistics. He's a guy who you could walk around and be like, oh, that's a tall guy out in public but not know who he was if he didn't play basketball. And he still consistently is a top three scorer in the league. And he's uh, offensively just one of the best players in the game right now. I personally believe that. And I think that's the type of guy that you do not sit here and go, you know what, I'm going to trade him. Especially not at point guard, a position where we've seen, you know, you can go well into your 30s, you know, and still be you know, great and decisive uh, at the position. And I, I don't think that that's the type of guy that you get rid of right now and go, eh, it's not going to work. If you tr- if you move somebody, I agree that somebody has to get moved. But it's got to be CJ. You've got to do everything in your power right now to try and get Dame to stay because that's not... It's like, if I'm moving one of these two guys, it's not going to be the one who I was like, is all NBA who I think is honestly a ring away from uh, a lot of a lot of future recognitions. But it's, it's going to be the other guy who's playing shooting guard, undersized, and gets hot in stretches, but then also disappears. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And I think if you're Portland, you're looking at yourself and going, you know, we lost in the first round a couple of years back to the Pelicans. We've only made the Western Conference Finals and got defeated then again by a great uh, stacked Warriors team. We've lost second round a couple of years. I mean, where do you go if you're Portland right now? Um, I think it's a lot of people's questions right now because I don't think a lot of people have that answer. Um, Nick and Jack, do you guys, either one of you can chime in. Do you guys have any thoughts on this um, Portland-Denver um, series? I was just going to, well, I was just going to say about the whole Portland thing. Um, yeah, I agree with Adrian 100% that you do not trade Damian Lillard if, as long as he wants to play for your organization. I mean, it's basically him and Steph when it comes to shooters in the NBA. Like, and they're in their own tier. You don't just trade away guys like that. Um, but if I would say if there was one thing I'd think about doing um, is try to look at what Milwaukee did and maybe look at like the other players around Dame 
and try to find guys that are like lockdown defenders or can maybe a big guy that can really shut down the paint or and all that stuff because that's the main thing I notice when I watch Portland is they do not have a good defense. And a lot of times I feel like they have to outscore guys in order to win games. Um, so I try to find really good defenders to try to build to help build the team around Dane, um, along with a new coach, obviously. Jack, any thoughts? Yeah, so going back to the actual series, I think it would be a crime to talk about the series and not mention how incredible Damian Lillard was throughout this series. I think it was the game five where he hit incredible three-point shots to force overtime and double overtime, and they still lost. I mean, it was it was crazy. Game after game, he's scoring 30, 40 points and just putting the Blazers on his back and seemingly didn't really do too much to help win for in some of those games where he was just going insane. I can't even explain it. It was incredible to watch, and it just really sucks that that performance didn't lead to a series win because it was incredible to watch. Yeah, I want to mention that that good comment by uh, Nick about the defense. Um, let's go through this series. Uh, 109 points allowed, 128 points allowed, 120. Uh, they had a good game in game four. They allowed 95. Uh, 147 and then 126 uh, to finish off the series. You're allowing consistently over 120 points. It's going to be hard to win a series. And I really like that point right there, Nick. Um, Ethan, I want to go back to you real quick. Uh, we, we talked about it in the group chat a little bit, you know, the price tag for McCollum versus the price tag for Lillard. What do you think are some teams that maybe could pick up a guy like CJ McCollum uh, going forward to help their team? Or I mentioned Lillard. this in the, I mentioned this in our group chat. So all of y'all know, I thought the Lakers might be interested in CJ McCollum. And I kind of, in our group chat, I kind of compared him to what like Tobias Harris does in Philly, where like, if he doesn't show up, it's cool. And we can get over that. But when he does show up and he gets high, he can take over a game. And, like, I think the price tag for him is so much lower than where it is for Dame. You could get him and then some other, like, good role players to help fill out your roster instead of having to expend everything for Dame, where Dame is, like, way, way better than CJ at literally everything. But I feel like the price tag is way too high on Dame to where if you're – really need to rebuild your roster, you might as well just get CJ and a bunch of role players instead of trying to go for the big fish and Damian Lillard. Yeah, um, that um, NBA, Cal, I told you about uh, trending NBA on um, Instagram, had two possible situations uh, for Damian Lillard, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers, and they're uh, right down the road, actually in the same stadium, the Los Angeles Clippers. Two thoughts there, um, interesting thoughts there. Um, let's go ahead to Phoenix and the Lakers, guys. This was a very interesting series. LeBron James, 14-0 in first-round series until this year, down by a Chris Paul-led Phoenix Suns. Guys, the Chris Paul effect, we mentioned that uh, a couple months back. How good is this as the proof of the pudding right here with a first-round 4-2 um, defeat of the Los Angeles Lakers? Um, Jack, I'll just start with you in this series. We saw the ascension – uh, if we haven't already heard of Devin Booker, which I'm sure everybody's heard of him, um, he really let everybody know about what his game is like this series. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the series? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I hate that it came down to injury. I think Anthony Davis being out really played a major factor in the series. I think that – I think we knew that he wasn't really fully ready to go in game six, and we saw that pretty much instantly when he stepped on the court. 
and him going down and then the Suns instantly going on a huge run kind of really um, set the stage for the rest of the game. And the Lakers did start to make a run towards the end, but they never brought it in back to single digits, I don't think. So I think that the Anthony Davis injury played a huge part. But yeah, the Suns, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they look phenomenal. I think they really are able to rally around those two guys. I mean, you look at like the post-game speech after they won game six and what Chris Paul was talking about. And I think they really all play super well together. They have great chemistry. And I think this is a great team. And I think that they can make a run. Adrian, do you have any thoughts here? Um, just watching that series, I, I had three takeaways. One, the Lakers are going to need, they're going to go and chase some guard play um, in this offseason. Um, the, their issues, you know, in the center court, they can uh, partially chalk up the injury, partially chalk up the, you know, some bad, uh, some bad mistakes made at center. Um, and, you know, obviously they'll look different with LeBron and AD healthy, but takeaway number one is that their guards, Dennis Schroeder keeps wanting money and has yet to show why he's earned it. That's That's been my thing with him. He, he has spurts of great play and then long stretches where he's just another guy and easily replaceable. And so they're going to look for a replacement for him, for KCP, who I have never been impressed with. I'm sorry. Since he came into the league, I've just... He's underwhelmed. Um, and they've just... They're, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is Chris Paul is elite. Despite, you know, not being able to make a shot outside of 15 feet for about games three through six, really game two he had some moments where I was like, am I sitting here looking at you on the bench coaching this team better than your coach of the year over there? Because that I was like, he was that much of an impact. Even when he wasn't sitting there on the court, he was telling. It was like he was telling his guys, "This is where you need to be." Watch any timeout sequence. Watch him when he was on the floor. Watch him. He's just. He is the point god. And takeaway number three is DeAndre Ayton has turned a corner. Mm. He he went from you know a guy who could put up twenty, but. It didn't necessarily mean that your shot at winning was any better to somebody who can now sit there, lock you up on one side of the floor, drop a bucket on your head on the other side, and do it efficiently, which is the thing that he'd been missing since Arizona. It's like he's finally hit the point where he's able to not only put up the numbers, but do so in a way that's smart and that helps his team. And those, those were my Suns Lakers takeaways. Some great points right there. Nick, do you have anything to say? Um, yeah, I think Adrian mainly hit nail on the head on that. But the main thing, the main other thing that I just noticed was not just like Lakers guard play, but if LeBron or AD is not out there, they're just, they're not even a playoff team. Not even if both are out. If one of the two are out, they aren't even really worth a playoff spot. Like they've, the rest of the team, they need they need to, they need to have some work done. Um, they need to find a way to actually get a bunch of other players that can contribute consistently. Because Kyle Kuzma being the third option, it's just it's not good enough. It, it's not 
he, you can't have a guy score two points in an elimination game and have that be your third best player. But yeah, that's my my main other takeaway. Yeah, I wanna I wanna headline some of those things that we talked about with the Lakers. Um, there's been kind of contradicting headlines uh, since the loss of the series. We've got um, Dennis Schroeder coming out and saying that he wants to do everything he can to be a Laker again next year. Then we've got Magic Johnson coming out and saying that he doesn't have what it takes to be a Laker. And then um, all that combined with the fact that Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder rejected a four-year, $84 million <laughs> contract with the Los Angeles Lakers and may now be competing for a simply a roster spot, I think, in the NBA. Um, Ethan, I know you want to go to school on this one. So I'm just going to let the floor be yours. First off, uh, I, I said on this podcast that I didn't think the Phoenix Suns would go to the finals. I said that. I think our the, one, the episode we talked about, Chris Paul, go find it. That, that's not looking too good right now. That I might get put on. Uh, old takes exposed or whatever that Twitter account is called. Second off, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond. Uh, I hope the Guangdong Dragons can uh, pay your salary because y'all are looking at China right now. And I think the Lakers this past offseason, they, they went from like these battle-hardened vets like Rondo, Dwight Howard, and even though Danny Green missed everything in sight, Danny Green, to – Dennis Schroeder, uh, Andre Drummond, and Montrez Harrell and Marcus All to a lesser extent, and they just they 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 aren't ready. They weren't ready. They got outplayed by Phoenix the whole series, except for the two games. LeBron and AD were LeBron and AD, and while injuries do they play a big part in this, especially I think to LeBron specifically because he was still out there and it was pretty obvious it was not the same LeBron James that we're accustomed to seeing. Phoenix just outplayed them. They were the better team. And I think the Lakers have a lot of work to do this offseason in terms of refitting this roster. Um, as Adrian alluded to with KCP, he might need to be out the door because he is one of the um, has one of the bigger contracts on the team. So he might have to get shipped out, especially if they want to bring in somebody that can help uh, LeBron AD because LeBron will be 37 in December, I believe. And then Anthony Davis is, it feels like he's always injured at some point. So they're going to need to find some serious help if they want to make another run with LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, as the two main uh, focal points uh, for the Lakers. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions going into this offseason. And LeBron has already begun his recruitment, like I've seen here on social media. Um, and a couple of rumors talked about of possible options to bring in this offseason. Um, apparently, the Lakers are reportedly interested in signing Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, from the Golden State Warriors, which I find a, an interesting take there. <laughs> and they are also interested in Colin Sexton. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They just don't U want to Oubre, get better. Oubre in L.A.? LeBron wants the eye candy. Oubre. Oubre. Kelly, Kelly Oubre couldn't make a wide open shot play next to Steph Curry. What, what's yeah, he recruiting exactly, Oubre for to be the, 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 like the, the model for his next movie? Because if that's the case, then by all <laughs> means, go ahead. But we're talking about basketball, then absolutely like, not. Are we shooting Space Jam 3 right now? <laughs> like, both, both of the names you mentioned, something I find interesting is 
you named two people who I do not necessarily consider shooters in, well, definitely not Ubre, and <laughs> even Sexton, like, not really. Not great. And I think that with a LeBron who's at his best slashing to the rim, and with AD who is afraid of being a big man but is six foot eleven, uh, those are two guys who you want to surround with shooting, and neither of those guys sound like that, that's just a, <laughs> yeah, a like, very like, weird desire like, for the Lakers. Like they Luke don't Uber want to and Colin Sexton are like volume shot takers, and when I mean volume, I mean like they gotta put up like fifteen to twenty shots to get fifteen to twenty points, unless they're having like a crazy efficient game. I mean, I think what would make more sense for the Lakers is is trying to overpay Duncan Robinson because you at least know he will fit next to LeBron and AD, especially when LeBron like does that thing where he holds the ball at the top of the key and then he just makes a random pass to the corner and the dude shoots it. Like, you just put Duncan Robinson in that and that works. It's like, you know how much that man is going to get paid this offseason? Yeah, he about to get paid. Duncan Robinson is about to be paid. Yeah, so, I mean, interesting takes here. I think the Lakers have a lot of moves. Obviously, I think Schroeder's out the door. I think Kuzma is out the door. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that are going to get uh, shipped in and out. But that's a topic for another time, guys. Let's flip over to the East here, guys, and run through this real quick. Um, obviously, Washington did not get swept. They did not get swept by the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, not the greatest series from Russell Westbrook, but – a great series from Bradley Beal. Um, quick thoughts on this. Anybody can go ahead. I guess the Wizards um, had mean, more talent than we thought. The plethora of talent was there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're yeah. not wrong? <laughs> no. I mean, okay. I had to. I had to. <laughs> yeah, I know. that. That's funny. That's yeah. Funny. I mean, Mr. Triple-Double and Mr. 30-point game uh, on the same team. I was. I guess it, it, I'm glad they got a game. But the Wizards are in a weird place of, I, I said this back when it was John Wall and Bradley Beal, you know, and they were getting these four, five, six, seven, eight seeds the first time around. I was like, this is a team where it feels like it's their, feels like this is their destiny, this is their peak. And it's just a very weird place to be in. Obviously, as a fan of like the early 2010s Grizzlies, I that, that was us. But... Yeah. <laughs> but it's like so Wizards fans are probably complacent right now they made it back to the playoffs they're not the 14th seed in the conference but it's hard to envision this team really going much further than that I was like good for them they they got a game against Philly yeah not not much to say there. I don't, I don't know Washington's a strange team I, I'm curious what do you guys think like so Westbrook obviously is he locked up or is he does he have a chance to go somewhere this offseason? He's what? locked up. He still has another yeah. couple of years left on his deal. It's yeah. Just I don't know him and him and Beal. I don't know. They complexes me a little bit. I don't know. They, they Bradley Beal is somebody who every year we say does he want to leave, and then every year by three quarters of the way through the season it seems like he likes Washington again. So I don't want to say anything about his long-term future, but I do think that his prime will be spent in Washington. No, definitely interesting. But um, obviously Embiid playing uh, today, 
for the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm going to see what the score of that game is at the moment. They were getting clapped last time I checked. Hawks a lot, Wizards or Sixers. Yeah, 98-82 with a minute 58 left in the third. Wow. Hawks by a bunch. That is a surprise. Um, what's so what's Embiid's numbers? Any idea? Um, Embiid's numbers? Let me see. I can I can pull up the box. Embiid has 28 points, eight rebounds, and two assists on eight for 16 shooting. Wait, no, so he's ball. not even the problem. Yeah. No. Does it say how many minutes he's played? I wonder if he's on a minutes cap. 29 minutes, so he's oh, yeah, played he's the whole game pretty much. Yeah. Nope. So yeah, Simmons has 11. Seth Curry has 13, and Tobias Harris has 17. And when Nuggets thought Trey Young's going crazy or something. 31 yeah. points on 9 for 18 shooting. Yeah, that counts. You're going crazy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the Trey right now. Very much. Yeah, Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdanovich having a good game. So let's go ahead and, yeah, shift to the Knicks versus the Hawks. Maybe the most entertaining series of the first round. We've seen um, Knicks fans spit on Trey Young, then get go to Times Square and attempt to blow up New York City. We have seen Trey Young shiver and take a bow on his fans, just like he did many, many years back on Ball's Life, which I watched this morning. Very entertaining game. Uh, getting double teamed the entire game in high school, full court press. Um, guys, Trey Young has emerged as an unbelievable player. Um, but we've also talked about him being one of the best trash talkers in the league. He's actually emerged as one of the best, best uh, trash talkers in the league. The next um, New York villain. Yeah, the, the next New York villain. He's joining Batman and all of them. Um, wait, no, that's wrong. That's a superhero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, w- oh, no. I was thinking along the lines right, of Reggie yeah. Miller, but, oh, you know. Yeah, I, was thinking like, <laughs> I was thinking like Reggie Miller or LeBron when he didn't sign with the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The true. LeBron one's weird because everybody wants him to be a villain and he never pays anybody attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um. Nick, I'll start with you. You haven't let us off yet. Um, I'm curious, what do you think about the whole Knicks um, versus Hawks series and, and Trey Young's emergence as a great trash talker? Yeah, I think this series really showed like how much Atlanta's really grown um, throughout the year, especially after they um, brought in Nate McMillan. Um, yeah, they've gotten they, – they got a lot better throughout the series. Trey Young's really grown up in front of us. Um, I mean – it was cool to have the the New York Knicks fans, but they didn't last long. Um, uh, but yeah, just Atlanta kicked their butt. I thought it would be a toss up series, even though I thought Atlanta was a little bit more talented. I thought New York would at least win two games in the series, just through like how much they have fought throughout the year and all the veterans they have on the team. But yeah, Atlanta kicked their butt. Adrian. Um, yeah, I want to take the first sentence and say, um, I apologize to Atlanta fans. Um, I did not believe in you. If you go back and watch us talking about before the first round, I had the Knicks in this series. And a large part of why that did not come to pass is Julius Randle did not come to play for most of the series. Mm. It took him until game four to remember where he was, and that was a basketball court. (laughs) Um, uh, yes um but yeah it trey young has been ridiculous man and i i I love the fact that the new york fans were back and the series closing out in new york 
I just feel the Eastern Conference is getting some life again, and I'm I'm excited for it because, like, Trey Young is going to be legitimately hated by a lot of Knicks fans, and not not that I you know, I'm not saying that anybody needs to be hated, but I understand why they're mad at him. He he was like he went out there, balled out every time he was on their court, and then. Finished it off with the shivers, with the bows, with the little smack talk after stealing that first game. It was, it was a, it was a wonderful series to you know keep paying attention to. And obviously, some of these fans in the first round uh, have been just ridiculous. We've seen, we've seen an arrest. We've seen people spitting, throwing popcorn bottles, calling people slurs, and the fans need to chill out. Uh, a little bit because you know there is a line and they have and those fans have crossed it. But I love the fact that the f- fucking energy is back. I love the fact that people care again. I don't know this series that that was my main takeaway was the fans and the environment's been amazing. Yeah, here's my thing, New York. Like in that game Uh-oh. that y'all won. It literally took D Rose having 25 off the bench for y'all to compete. Like, and that was with Atlanta scoring 92 points in the game. Like, Trey Young had a third of his team's points. Like, this very easily could have been a four game sweep. Um, Jack, I'll let you take it away. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the most entertaining five game series I've seen. Most of it due to the storylines outside of the game, because inside of the game, really, game one was the only game that was super close. But watching the storylines and the things going on outside and obviously the development of Trey Young as a New York villain were really, really fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, like everybody said before, in-game, the Hawks pretty much smacked the Knicks in most of the games they won. So, um, yeah, this is a great series to watch. But, I mean, yeah, there's really not a whole lot else to say. Ethan, the floor is yours. Hey, Trey Young said, I'm going to see you all in the A. And he showed them what goes down in the A. So yeah, yeah, they saw him in the A. Yeah, they saw him in the A, and they, um, they they did make it back to New York, and then they went home, and that's about it. Uh, I picked the Hawks to win this series. Um, I thought it'd be six games. I thought Randall would take over one game, and Derrick Rose would take over another game. D Rose did his part. Uh, Julius Randall. Um, they had to send APBs out through New York and through. Brooklyn to try to find him and um, they they came up short and yeah. yeah so let's talk about where the Knicks go from here guys so rumor has it the New York Knicks are not intending to sign Julius Randle to a max contract they do according to this website trending NBA on Instagram they do not believe Julius and Randle is worthy of a max contract um, in the offseason, rumors are they're going after Evan Fournier from uh, Ethan Buddy's Boston Celtics and also, of course, Damian Lillard. Um, I'm just curious about what you guys think about, well, first, uh, the most improved player in the NBA, not worthy of a, of a max contract, and then going after, you know, some uh, free agent targets this year. Um, Ethan, I'll swing back to you. Yeah, I'm not giving Julius Randle a max contract. I, I before the playoffs, I said I didn't even think he was the best player on his own team, and some of y'all disagree with me, which is you know it's fine. And he goes out in the playoffs, and 
well, what exactly did he do? Because I don't even think he really did anything. And then you're going to tell – then you're going to want to flip and give him a max contract in New York, which is four to five years. I don't know what the number is. I'm guessing it's around $40 million. So you're going to want to give Julius Randle after that performance, after me thinking he's not even the best player on his own team, $40 million for five years, uh, I'll pass. Interesting take. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you. Yeah, um, I would like to see Julius Randle do it again, if that makes any sense. I'd like to see him have this kind of year again before I'd give him, uh, like, max contract kind of money. Because giving players max contracts based on one good year is how you end up with Nicholas Batum contracts, all right? That's just how it happens, all right? I'm not saying Randle is going to be him. I'm not saying that, but... You don't. You have to see it consistently in order to believe that like a player is going to be a superstar. And we've only really seen Julius Randle this good one year. Uh, so that's what I think. I think he's, he's got to do it again. If he does it again, then he's worth he's worth the max contract. Um, if he doesn't, then he's not. Ethan, I'm curious. Who do you think is the best player on the New York Knicks? Derrick Rose. I think it's D Rose. I'll let you duke it out. Um, no, I, you know, for once agree with the agree with the pack here. I, I don't think that he gets a max, but not necessarily for the same reasons. I do think that he is that good. You know, the problem in prior years for him hasn't been uh, the, you know, a lack of box statistics. It's been that they've been unable to win and you know watching him in new orleans and watching him uh, last year uh in new york it was just it was a lot of i'll put mine up but i don't know why that has to do with the rest of y'all and this year we saw team player julius randall and i think that's an important thing but i think the reason they don't give him a max is because they're like like we've talked about they're on the market right now they're talent hunting they're you know the mecca of basketball and they want to poach a damian lillard they want to look at this free agency market and say how many of the best players out can we afford and where does julius randall fall on that list so it for me it's not a matter of whether or not he deserves a lot of money it's a matter matter of whether or not he wants his money more than he wants a supporting cast that's ring-worthy. Um, Jack, to you. Um, yeah, I agree with most of what everybody else has said. I, think, I don't think Julius Randle has earned a max contract yet. I think going forward, I think some of their young players need to step up a little bit more. Guys like R.J. Barrett, um, Obi Toppin, their first-round pick from last year, I think he needs to step up. And I think – the big thing is when will they finally land the big free agent that they talk about every single year? I think year after year, every time there's a big free agent, we hear, oh, he's going to sign with the Knicks. He's going to sign with the Knicks, and it never happens. So I think if they can land that big free agent, that would be huge. Also, I think they need to draft better. I mean, they have the last few years, they've had some some bad misses with guys like Frank Tilakina and Kevin Knox in the first round. I think they need to draft better. I think those are kind of the three most important things for the Knicks going forward. So I'm going to go over to our cap space specialist, also Mr. Ethan Smith. <laughs> Ethan, 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Ethan, what do you think uh, – who do you think would be a guy that would fit the Knicks this offseason? I-, I was looking up how much caps, cap room they are. Um, there wasn't really a clear article online with the answer to that. They were $15.5.1 million under the cap on March 24th. Um, I'm just curious what you think. Well, I know they have a lot of guys on contracts that will expire this offseason, so they're not too keen on bringing them back. They don't have to. Obviously, Julius Randle is a free agent. I, I don't really know what this free agent class is going to look like in terms of top-tier talent. I think the best guy available is probably Damian Lillard, but you'd also have to give up a lot to get him. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that New York did this season was like establish like a culture where like it's fun to come and play. And I think seeing the Garden be that electric for the first time since Carmelo Anthony was there that one year, uh, where he led the Knicks to the playoffs. I think that was the most, like, important thing they did, trying to track players. Um, I just think, overall, they just need, like, a talent upgrade because, like, a lot of us said before the season that, you know, they weren't going to be that good, you know, possibly in contention for the number one pick. Um, so I just think they just need to over upgrade the overall talent on this team. Yeah, I totally agree. Um so obviously uh, the Hawks are leading the 76ers by a good margin right now. Um, any predictions for the second round series, um, Hawks and 76ers? Let's go around. Um, Jack, we'll start with you. Um, who do you think will win this series between the 76ers and the Hawks? Well, before the series, I was saying Sixers in six. Um, after this first game, I don't know. I mean, I still I still favor the Sixers. But, I mean, after seeing an incredible show from the Hawks, it's hard to – say that and not change at least the game but I think I'm gonna stick with it I'm still gonna say Sixers and Six. Adrian? Um, Atlanta sports have taught me never to (laughs) never to bet when it comes to them because I'm always wrong if I think they're gonna win they're gonna lose if I think they're gonna lose they're gonna win that being said uh, you know I, I I do like what I've seen from this Hawks team this playoffs they've looked really good and you know barring uh, you know uh, fall apart I think that Young, with the assistance that he's going to get from Bogdanovich, from Collins, I think that they could pull this series out. So I'll take them in seven. Nick? Yeah, um, I'm with Jack here. I think that even even though this game kind of makes me question it a little bit because it's not like Indeed was off and they're still getting whooped right now, um, I still think the Sixers are going to win probably in like six games. Um, just because I think the Sixers are just a better team. I, with Embiid healthy, I think they're better. Um, I mean, the Haw- I like what the Hawks are doing, but I don't really feel like I should, I don't really trust them yet. Um, so I'm just, I'm going with the team I thought was the best in the East, but who knows? I, I feel a bit more iffy about it after <laughs> seeing the result of this game. Yeah, a game can game can give you some bias about it, but I think this will be a great series. Ethan, final thoughts? Um, I think a lot of this really depends on Joel Embiid. Um, before, we weren't certain if he was even going to play today. Small meniscus tear, that can quickly change to a meniscus tear in full very quickly. Um, so if Embiid – but I'm, I'm going to assume Embiid will be fine since he's playing today. I'm going to take the Sixers – in seven, um, I just think overall they have 
way more playoff experience. Um, and I just feel like that game seven will be in Philly. So I feel like the Philly fans are really going to push them over the edge to win the series. So I'm going to take the Sixers in seven. All right. Our final final thing on this uh, quick topic between the uh, Hawks and the Knicks will be about Trey Young and uh, the new villain that he has become. Um, so, guys, I'm just curious uh, on the kind of the grand scheme of things when it comes to villains in the NBA. Where do you think that Trey Young will end up by the time his uh, well career is done, and also like in the next couple of years? Hmm. Um, I, I think that he has potential to be, you know, to, depending on how long his career is, to be up there with, uh, you know, some of the best to ever talk trash. Um, so simply because we, we've seen the personality in him for a while, and he's making that star turn to where he's now having the team success and the individual success to match that. And we think about, you know, some of these guys are held back by their lack of, you know, personal ability. A Lance Stevenson will always be more of a joker and someone who's always seen in uh, in the context of LeBron because that's the only time that we ever saw tr- great success out of him antagonizing uh, someone. But I-, I think he could be up there with the the Reggies, the I don't know if he's going to be that tier 1 with the with KG and Bird, but <laughs> he's up there. He he'll be up there. Any other thoughts, guys? Yeah, Trey, Trey Young makes it very easy to hate him. Uh, <laughs> that little, that, that that little, especially earlier in the year where he was in that little start stop in the middle of the lane, and then they would call foul, even though the dude behind him can't really do anything. People got mad about him about that. They think like he flops a lot, which he does do a fair amount of. He flails for calls. He complains about it. He's really bad defensively. But he also cooks people on offense. So, and especially now that you have New York fans as your primary antagonist, um, that makes it very easy to get hated very quickly. And I think you just showed <laughs> that when 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 you say "I'll see you in the A," and then you do this, and then you take a bow in the garden when the show is over, um, I think they're they're he's giving them a lot of ammo to hate him. And I'm here for it. I, I want to see you know people go at it. So I, I'm here for it. Yeah, I like what Adrian said earlier. I, I like I like the Heat's back in the East. Like, not the Heat. The Heat are gone. But the <laughs> Heat. The yeah, they're still in the bubble. Oh, but, man. Yeah. <laughs> they're still in the bubble. Yeah, they're, 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 uh, they're the bubble guppies. That's what everybody was comp- com- boat, uh, commenting boat, on Instagram. Boat buddy from SpongeBob. That's the Heat. <laughs> yep. So, guys, obviously, you know, trending towards the Miami Heat here. Uh, a 4-0 annihilation uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, several 30-plus point losses. Uh, who, who, want, who wants to lead the show on this one? I'm, I'm just going to let the floor go. I'll, I'll go. Uh, but I'm just all jokes aside, I really just think this shows that, I mean, Miami didn't really get better since the bubble. They, they didn't. And Milwaukee, with additions of Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Borders, et cetera, they got a lot better than when they got eaten, what, five games in the bubble? Yeah. I think, yeah, they got a lot better, and Miami didn't. And that's the main takeaway I got from that, because it was, there were a lot of blowouts and a lot of bad games within this series. 
Um, but yeah. Anything else? Oh um, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Adrian. Oh, um, it's it's a little bit early to say this, but I I think that their window, the, the Miami's window, because. When we look at when we look at when we look at their roster, they're going to retain they're going to retain their two stars. That's that's good, but they're going to lose they're going to lose their best shooter. They had a chance to you know ship out. They had a chance to ship out Harrow and pull in another star and said, "Nah, we like this kid," only for him to not show up in the playoffs. And you know he's gonna have to be ridiculously improved and they're going to have to pick up a shooter and they're going to have to pick up somebody to learn under uh Goran Dragic cuz he's getting old and there's there's too much stuff going on for me to, you know, say that they're a contender again as much as their gritty defensive mindset and Pat Riley's excellence and Eric Spoelstra this and that and I just can't see I just can't see it with them now. This was their chance to prove that the bubble wasn't a fluke, that they are a threat in the East, and they did not do it at all. Yeah, uh, well, seems the Miami Heat are the biggest frauds in the NBA. Can't even win a playoff game without the bubble. Now, if we do go back to the bubble, I will take the Heat because we've seen the effects. Um, but anytime your best player gets outscored, by a dude that averages around 15 minutes at most for the whole series, you're probably going to lose and you're probably going to get blown out as that happens when Bryn Forbes outscores Jimmy Butler. I don't know how that happens, but the Bryn. but um, the, the Heat also didn't have Oladipo, but they haven't had him for a while. I thought, you know, before the series started, you know, they, they could get a game or two. I didn't expect them to win the series, but they got dropped off. They they got they got blown out. They got whatever adjective you want to use to describe what happened is what happened. And it seemed like the Bucks just they they wanted some revenge, and they wanted to embarrass them, and they did just that. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to put this in perspective for you guys. Today is June sixth. That series ended on May 29th. That's how fast that quick that series got through four games. Some series hadn't even reached their third game yet. Uh, that's just how fast um, the Heat got annihilated. But let's take and give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks here for how well they played. Giannis, the unstoppable force that he is, playing very well. But like Ethan said, the um, the arising of guys like Bryn Forbes, Drew Holiday playing well, Brooke Lopez, kind of their core group there with Chris Middleton as well. What's the ceiling here for this Bucks team in this playoffs? We'll go around. Anybody can go ahead. I think they can win the whole thing. Um, of course, I think their series right now, Brooklyn, is going to be probably the most interesting and maybe toughest one um, right now, just because I feel like that might be their hardest team to beat in the East. Um, but if they get past them, I think they can, if they get past Brooklyn, they could beat Philadelphia or Atlanta, and they can easily go to the finals, and I think they can even win it. Um, but of course, right now, this is going to be. This is like their time to win. They've got to win this series, of course. And it's not going to be easy because even without James Harden, Brooklyn is still Brooklyn. What so, do you say about New York? If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Nick took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, if I'm not predicting them to, but I think if Milwaukee makes it through Brooklyn, they're my pick to make it out of the East. I think whoever wins the series is going to come out of the East. And I think that both of these teams can win the whole thing. I just think it's going to be super difficult for, for Milwaukee to beat the Nets. I mean, you look at game one, James Harden got hurt within the first minute of the game and was out the rest of the game, and they still got beaten pretty badly. I think they lost by 15, something like that. And that it was, was only like James eight, Harden. but it was a lot of garbage yeah. time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Even an entire game without James Harden, and they still lost, and then it wasn't super close. I think it's going to be tough, but I think that they can do it. And I think that if they get through Brooklyn, that they can win the whole thing. Now, I have to admit, though, it's a hamstring for Harden, right? Yeah, it's a hamstring. Hamstring is it? They're hard to come back. They're hard to come back from. Is it the oh. same one that he hurt earlier in the year, or is it the other one? I think so. I think it's the Not same sure. hamstring. Ooh. Because I would say, to be honest, and I'm not speaking, I don't have NBA doctors, but as a man who has pulled his hamstring more times than I can count, hamstrings are very hard to come back from. And I could totally see Harden not being in this series at all. Like, I'm so serious. Like, he's going to probably be out for game two, probably a game time decision for game three. I mean, given this could go into seven games, so, you know, don't speak that into my words. But, no, hamstrings are can be very hard to come back from, and I can see that you know, playing a big factor in the series. So maybe maybe they adjust, make some adjustments. But um, guys, let's go ahead and move on to um, the Brooklyn versus Boston series. Um, a lot of questions uh, coming for the Boston Celtics. Um, Ethan has already put his hood on, so you know what time it is. Um, I'll let him go last, though, to, to finish off what, what will be a very entertaining uh, section here. So, guys, um, yeah, Boston did not really stand much of a chance. Uh, we did see Jason Tatum play his best. Who knows what they would have been if they had Jalen Brown, but the pieces around them did not perform. Um, Adrian, I'll let you lead us off here. Um, what do you think about this series and, and Brooklyn going forward? Obviously, I think the favorites in the East here. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn had kind of used this series to assert why every team in the league should be scared of them. They – played like three superstars who had been playing together all season, not just for a handful of games. And they it was like they just kind of came out there and aside from a game in which Jason Tatum looked absolutely unstoppable, outside of that they just dominated. And I've got to say they look like the best team to play basketball in quite a while. You know, since KD was elsewhere. <laughs> yeah success follows KD um, apparently all right um, Nick any thoughts here um, honestly on Brooklyn and Boston not really what we expected to happen really did happen I mean Boston without Jalen Brown had zero chance of winning the series um, and Jason Tatum got his 150 point game and that's the game they won um, but besides that Brooklyn beat them it's what they what we expected and honestly the more interesting stuff that when it comes to the series is about what Boston did after, but I'm going to wait and let Ethan talk about that one. Yeah. Jack, any final, final comments? Um, yeah, just real quick. I think that the Celtics even getting one game off the nets is kind of a win. I think without Jason, you know, without a Jalen Brown who at stretches during the season was their best player. I think getting one game was a win. Um, but yeah, I think we need to let the expert go to work. <laughs> All right, Ethan. So, so I, I, I got a lot to say. First thing is that, at least we didn't go out like the Heat. Is all first thing I've got to say. Second off, our supposed third best player, Kemba Walker, didn't play in two of the games. 
So Jason Tatum was basically playing one on five, and he still had 40 getting triple two. So that, you know, Jason Tatum literally did all he could do, and we went home. Now, you know, literally the day after we lose, Danny Ainge retires off into the sunset, playing uh, 18 holes of golf on whatever uh, New Hampshire, Vermont golf course there is. Uh, and Brad Stevens somehow gets promoted to take his spot. I fucking hate Brad Stevens. He literally admitted to, you know, just going through the motions throughout the season. And now we don't have a head coach and we have a point guard who is injury prone out the door. We literally rested him on back-to-backs the whole season so he could be healthy in the playoffs and he is not healthy in the playoffs. So I think Kemba Walker will be moved this off season or um, Boston fans may riot. Um, but we, there's going to be a lot of change. I think first thing, we got to find a coach. My personal preferences are uh, Sam Cassell, who's an assistant on the Sixers, and Becky Hammond, who's an assistant for the Spurs. Um, those are my two preferences to replace Brad Stevens as a head coach. But I think we need a different type of point guard. And in years past, we've had Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, He's kind of score first. Let me get my my buckets um, into more of a traditional guard, you know, more of a pass first playmaker. Uh, I'd love to see the Celtics sign Lonzo Ball or acquire him somehow, and then also add depth to the to this roster because a lot of the roster spots at the end of the bench are for young guys who don't really know what they are. And I think if you're in a position where you want to compete, you want to have like veterans on the end of the bench who actually know what they're doing. So those are my thoughts on the Celtics. If you don't want me to have a funeral for them, I will. Um, but yeah. Which which players do you see moving out and which players do you see moving in coming next season? Well, obviously I don't know who's coming in because we haven't had the draft free agency. Um, I would hope Lonzo Ball is coming in, but I think Kemba's out. I just I think he's gone. I think Tristan Thompson might be gone. I think some of the younger players on the end of the bench who don't really do anything, like Carson Edwards, um, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, I think they're gone. Uh, I think your core, our core of like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I'll throw Robert Williams in there, who was really impressive for when he was healthy. I think they're safe. But uh, everybody else, uh, um, good luck. Uh, who knows? You might be playing in China with Kuzma next year. Hmm. Interesting thing. So we'll transition here. Jason Tatum, the St. Louis native, had a great job. Uh, in that series. Um, after uh, uh, high school, he attended Duke University where he lost in the second round against the um, South Carolina Gamecocks. Oh, shoot. Um, but his coach made ah, his, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh-huh. um, and he announced his retirement um, this past week. Um, he is going to play one more season or coach one more season. Excuse me. Um, he finished with a well, he's has currently a 1,170 and 361 career record with five national titles, 15 ACC tournaments, not 12 Final Fours, and three Naismith Coach of the Year. Um, other than Roy Williams, he's the undisputed goat of the college basketball. And um, Ethan, I'll let you take this away. This is your guy. I know this is a was not the news. I think Duke fans were looking for this week, but um, an amazing career nonetheless. Uh, total respect from both sides. Yeah, uh, thank you, Coach K, for everything. 
you turn Duke into Duke basketball from, you know, mediocrity at best to the program in college basketball. The biggest villains, I think you all would agree with this, in college basketball ever, maybe oh, apart sure. from the, the early UNLV 90s teams where they would just stomp on you. Um, thank you for all the players you've put out, mentored, all the coaches you've inspired, all of the people you've inspired by being on the sidelines for over 40 years. Um, obviously, no Duke fan wanted this day to happen, but we're at least happy he, he's doing it on his terms and not somebody else's or the will of something else. So thank you, Coach Jay. Yeah, I'll make, I'll make two comments here. Uh, the first comment I'll make is um, at this job I, I currently have, I work at Blue Note Grill in Durham. Um, one of our bartenders, his name is Mike. His um, good friend was, um, good friend's dad was roommates with uh, Coach K at Army. Uh, at, and um, he said Coach K was one of the most uh, genuine guys that he met there. Um, and I really, really much respect for Coach K um, and all he's done there. Um, so does anybody have any um, last thoughts here? Um, as a Carolina fan, you know, I, I want to be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm happy for this day. But I, I'm legitimately happy that he gets to, like Ethan said, go out on his own terms. But uh, it's, it's going to be very weird looking at a John Shire versus Hubert Davis, um, you know, Duke UNC game over the next few years. And um, as much as I'm interested to see what this new era will bring, I've got to recognize and respect uh, the greatness that Coach K did bring to the table. Duke used to be the NC State of North Carolina when it came to basketball. Um <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I don't think we're that bad. I don't think we're that bad. I don't think we're that bad. No, you no, were. just you in, were no, just in general of wow. being the <laughs> when I when I when I say that I mean kind of being seen as the quote unquote little brother in basketball. Um, and Coach K, uh, Mike Krzyzewski really built up Duke to be, you know, the the one A to UNC's one. Um, and I, I, I would respect that. Now I will say, I hope that the Big Ten ACC challenge. Uh, I hope they play Maryland because the, yeah, the Maryland fans are going. The Maryland fans are going to have something to say that day. I fucking but, hate Maryland fans. <laughs> they, they, they act like they, act oh. like they do something and then they lose, or they yeah. go like, like, like eighteen and fifteen and they see. Yeah, yeah, but I'm they it's like, but when they play Duke, ah man, they they just. It, it's fun. It's fun to watch them. They have no respect for anyone or anything. Um, but yeah, I I I want to see that. You know, I think that would be a, a fitting cap. But I I'm really a little bit. It's bittersweet to see him go. Anybody else got any thoughts? Yeah, I'm not gonna be as nice as you two. I'm a UNC fan. Obviously, <laughs> I have despised this man for a very long time. So I think me just not saying all of the bad things I could say is good enough. But, I mean, I do have to respect him as one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. But, yeah, I do not like that man at all. I can't. I'm not going to front. I really don't like that man. <laughs> uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts? I know um, yeah, I have. Okay, I'll say this. I have respect for Coach Krzyzewski. I have respect for what he did for Duke. 
Um, I think he has the most wins all time already for uh, men's college basketball. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, and I hope for him to, to be well. And I'll just leave it at that. I hope I hope the best for him um, in retirement <laughs> and all that stuff. That. And I respect his career. And I'll stop there. He's avoiding yeah, he's, saying anything about Duke basketball at all. Nick is mad. State hasn't won anything since 1983. Uh, you're freezing up, Ethan. So, that sucks, then. You did what did you, you say, E? We couldn't hear you. Oh, I, I said Nick's just mad. NC State hasn't done anything since 1983. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with you guys turning to Wake Forest, especially with that comment. Thank you very much. You, you yeah. do the next Wake Forest. I'll make a couple. Still, awesome still better than State. Still no, it's not. State. Wake Forest oh, yeah, doesn't yeah, even make the tournament, man. That's true. Yeah, State's better than Wake Forest. I, I can't lie. It, Wake Forest is just not ever oh, the conversation. Since they, they had Tim Duncan and Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Yeah. Not since Chris Paul, no. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, did, they did have John Collins. I was like, that team yeah, wasn't hurting good players. He was, he was fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. They, they were awful, but Collins was actually like that, so – a um, couple comments I like to make. Um, you know, obviously people uh, don't understand that. You know, when the comment sections on Instagram that you know Roy Williams and Mike Shashevsky are both seventy years old. Most people are in retirement before seventy plus years old. So you know, it's good for them that they're finally actually enjoying the retirement that most human beings get. But we we come to this accustomment that you know both of these guys have to coach until they are skin and bones out there on the court. You know, telling guys that way um <laughs> um you know obviously I, I read a story i read a book about jay williams um he was a duke guard uh, in the early 2000s and uh one of the coolest stories i remember from the book that i read um was that when jay came to the um visit on duke's campus you know he's used to he's the number one player in the country he's used to all these coaches telling him you know we want you here you know we'll give you the world uh, Coach K was straight up with them. He said, look, you're not going to come here. You're not going to start right away for us. You know, you're going to be challenged every day. He's on a team with Carlos Boozer, some of these great uh, future great NBA players. And he's also told, you know, the fact that you come here, you're going to get a great education. And that's the fact that a lot of people don't understand is that when you come to schools like this, the priority is first your education and then your school. And a lot of coaches did not mention that. Um, I wish that – I honestly wish – I don't know about you guys, but I wish that Roy wasn't so – quiet like he always is because i think roy would have deserved a kind of last ride kind of like k does i don't know if you guys are adrian jack you agree with it i mean i know he wants to stay out of the spotlight but i personally i don't know about you guys i personally wish that he had gotten one last season to kind of I don't, be honored for all the years i don't think he wanted one i think he's a lot more humble than coach k i don't think he wanted one and i think coach k wants some attention so <laughs> i think i think coach K actually explained why he came out and announced this so maybe if you were listening would heard it. I don't want to listen to that rat talk. <laughs> and I don't and I don't want to listen to Roy Coach or do anything. Well you don't have to anymore, so it's good for you. Roy had Roy had better shoe game, that's all I'm gonna say. Oh not even nobody close. has better shoe game than Roy. I'm not even gonna challenge that. Except that's about it Mac though. Brown. Maybe Mac Brown. No Roy hey, come on, the, no. The, the Mac shoe Brown's shoe. been rocking some kicks recently. I yeah, I saw God. Roy. Oh, man Roy be wearing some clean jackets, bro. <laughs> Yeah, we can disagree about the jackets, but the shoes are nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, them jackets are kind of kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, any any last thoughts um, about this? Anything, guys? Anything at all? 
Uh, yeah, before we go, I do want to ask everybody. Uh, we brought it up a little bit with the villain thing, but I, I'm just curious. Who is everybody's, you know, your favorite? You know, I'll, I'll even take it outside of basketball. Who is your favorite professional sports trash talker of all time? My favorite who I think the best is. I'll, you know, give me who you think the best is then, if you think I, they're different. I said, well, right now I, I have to think a little bit harder, but I think GOAT, well, all right. So for me, as a basketball fan, that's obviously what I've watched. So like NFL, soccer, hockey, even those guys, you say somebody, I'm probably not going to know them, just being honest. So I can't really <laughs> say anything to that. But to me, the GOAT trash talker is uh, Larry Bird because he would say some shit and they give you 40. Um, I actually pulled up a list of stories about Larry Bird trash talking. He literally told a team, I'll play this one left-handed, had 47. Uh, the infamous story about the first three-point contest, he walks in and says, who's coming second? Doesn't even take off the warm-up jacket and wins the contest. And all of his other stories about him just saying, like, I'm going to go here and shoot it, and you're going to watch it go in, and he would do it. So I feel like him being able to keep it basketball especially adds something because I feel like if you go like elsewhere to the personal shit, I feel like that's a bit easier because you anybody can say it. But if you keep it basketball and then back it up, that adds something because not everybody can do that. So that's my reasoning for Larry Bird. And also he's like a top 10 NBA player of all time. He's also a Celtic. But um... yeah, yeah, you, you're going to bring up KG and he was also a Celtic. So, you know. I might bring up KG. You don't know. I said all sports. That's true. Anybody else want to go before? Well, I... You said all sports. So this may not be everybody's like considered best, but my personal favorite, I got to, as a Panthers fan, I got to go with Steve Smith. All right. Okay. Have you ever. Ice, up, ice son. up, son. Yeah. Ice up, son. Yeah. Have you ever watched him uh, mic'd up whenever the NFL does that stuff? He's, there's so many quotes you can get from him. Um, and it's as a Panthers fan, I gotta pick him, no, no doubt. Okay, I don't really know if I have like a favorite trash talker, but I don't know if y'all have ever seen this video. I actually just looked it up, but DeAndre Hopkins when he's at that mini camp versus oh, D'Angelo Hall, I've seen it, and he tells D'Angelo Hall to his face, "I'm going to cook you," and then proceeds to cook him. Like yeah. you gotta back it up. If you're See, a receiver, and I know receivers are such prima donnas, like, but dude, my man can back it up. Like, D Hop can play. I, I just forgot about this guy, and I just remembered somehow. Um, old Connor McGregor, my is is up there because all the shit he'd be saying, and then he would whoop your ass. He so, annoyed me, but he was know, good. At will, it. Yeah, he was he, good. He at was it. good at being a villain. Exactly. All right, Adrian, yeah, you're, you're think, the one who brought it up. Uh, I'm gonna so. let Jack. I'm gonna let Jack hit his because I, I got a little bit of build up the mon. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is. I mean, I'm just gonna throw a few names out there. Um, Kevin Garnett. I, he's my favorite. I would have to throw him out there. But other ones, guys like Richard Sherman, Deion Sanders, Jalen Ramsey, um, players like that, all the incredible trash talkers. Uh, I think Jalen Ramsey. I'd probably say is the best trash talker in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah, guys like that, Chad Johnson. Um, Randy Moss. There's a lot of names that you can throw out there. Yeah, I think I I've got I I think that my my goat trash talker. When I say this, I've got two different, very different categories when I look at sports. Uh, my basketball, my favorite trash talkers. Uh, Y'all know that 
the people who do the most, I don't necessarily like. I like somebody who's going to be vicious with it and be efficient with it. And I think that my basketball trash talk is KG or Kobe. KG, obviously, there's the infamous rumors of the Happy Mother's Day to Tim Duncan. Uh, there's the rumors that he told Carmelo that his wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. There all sorts of just ridiculous stories with him. Can't forget Charlie um, Villanueva. Oh, yeah, the, Charlie um, Villanueva. Calling the, him a cancer patient. Yes, He's, and then going back and revising it to the press and saying he was a cancer on the league, which we all know is not what he said. Um <laughs> Oh my God. But he's had so many stories uh, to the point where Stephen Adams pretended he didn't speak English when he played Kevin Garnett so that Kevin couldn't talk trash. And then I was like, we the other side of that is, you know, you've got the, the Kobe Bryant is just the lengths that he would go to get in your head. Learning, you know, to say things, to talk trash in other languages, learning birthdays of people that you knew and that you were related to and just saying them in the game to the point where you wouldn't even think about it until later and he set a precedent in your mind for the rest of your career whenever you played him and then in football I think I've always been much more of a fan of the entertainer Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens, Dion, guys who are just they're over-the-top personalities, and they remind you of that every time they put up 30, 40 yards on a catch. Or, in Dion's case, every time they lock you up. And this Ocho Cinco sending out a, you know, an official press release style uh, message to every team in the league telling DBs not to guard him. To, it was acting like it was an NFL rule to save DBs from embarrassment. It was just the creativity is on another level. I want to throw one more thing out there. Jalen Ramsey in college, when he would face a wide receiver in college, he would uh, he said that sometimes he would DM their girlfriends before the games to try to get in their heads. I think that's a great one to throw out there. Shout <laughs> yeah. out uh, Reggie Miller for being the, the OG, one of the Shoot. OGs, especially yeah. at, uh, New York fans. Yep. That's how Golden Tate got in Jalen Ramsey's head. <clears throat> now let me let me chill because he got locked up that game too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I don't know if y'all ever seen the lot. video of um Randy Moss mooning the crowd. I think that's so good. I love that. Like, did, did Joe Buck and then Joe Bug being super pissed after yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so funny to me. That that's right. an uh, amazing one too. Tia with the sharpie in his sock, pulling it out, signing the football. Oh yeah. About Joe Horn with the cell phone behind the um, yeah Michael Thomas post. when he did it in the playoffs that was crazy or you know before he was in Dallas um, a San Francisco 49er to running out on the star I so, mean you can just uh, go Jesus down the list with to just, I mean the well, popcorn, has like a million the cheerleaders like, that's what I'm saying down the list. like one of one of the greatest trash talkers because you wouldn't even trash talking you. He was acting it out. He was creating a film for later years. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. He stabbed the Ohio State thing with the OU flag. I loved it when he did And then that. told Kansas they're a basketball school. That is, like, legendary. I liked it in college. I, I think that he carried a little too much of the personality over with him to yeah. the league when he hadn't proven himself. Yeah, I, I agree. agree with that. 
I think that he, from what we've seen with them starting to turn things around, I think that if they can maintain success, then he he has a chance to be one of my favorites too because he oh, is sure. he is an entertainer through and through. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for another great episode of the Backseat Coaches Podcast. Thank you for watching, guys, and awesome job.